Francisco Cabrera comes to the plate to bat for the pitcher. He hacked at the 2-0, now the 2-1. Line drive and a base hit! Just as the score of the tying run, Green to the plate! And he is saved! Saved at the plate! The Braves go to the World Series! The unlikeliest of heroes wins the National League Championship Series for the Atlanta Braves. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 28 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman, joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod, or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call, 631-820-7377. What's there to say, everyone? It's over. That's it. The fat lady has sung. The Yankee season is done. Pretty brutal. I mean, I'm glad that we made the decision to hold off recording until after game five. But now that they've lost, hindsight bias has me like, wow, this is tough to record and be up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fucking sad sack over here. Shit happens. But that was brutal. Bats didn't show up. They they scored 46 runs over the course of this postseason. 22 or 23 of them, uh, or maybe a few more, were versus the Indians. That was a high-scoring series. Against the Rays, the pitching just... Good pitching beats good hitting, people. I mean, that's about as fundamental as it gets. Uh, Cole was great. Stanton was unreal. But DJ LeMayu, Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt, Gio Urshela, where were they? They didn't show up, and... That's just how it happens. I mean, especially this game five was brutal because the reaction to this game, you want to say, oh, well, it's tough to win a game and it's tough to advance when you only have three hits. But unfortunately, this specific game, the Rays only had three hits as well. So it's frustrating in that sense that baseball is just really fucking annoying like that. It's not like the Rays were pounding it tonight and they killed the Yankees and the Yankees bats were silent. Both lineups were shut down by the pitching, and the Rays just had the right swing at the right time on the right pitch and late in the game, so. Well, listen, Em, you know I'm not a fan of the Yankees, but I'm your cousin, and I love you, and I feel bad that, you know, I feel bad for you in this this moment. Um, I'll accept your pity, John. Well, no, I was going somewhere with this. Um, Do do you want to talk about a couple things that will make you feel a little bit better about this series? I think that might help a little bit. So, like, for one thing, I'll say this as an impartial observer on this. Cole is fucking awesome, man. I, I was watching in that first inning. You know, I was like, oh, short rest as he have it. All he needed to do, as they were saying on the broadcast, was settle in. And then he was dynamite. What'd you get? 5.1 out of him, I think. And that's exactly what you need. So, like, you guys lost. Yeah, but it was a close game. I said this to you during the game as, again, somebody without a horse in this race. It was an entertaining game five. It was close to the end. You know, it wasn't a blowout. But in addition to Cole being as advertised, you guys are paying him that much money. He stepped up. He did his job. He's not the reason that that happened tonight, right? Um, but you'll also notice, I mean, we haven't listened to the post game yet, but I got a feeling he's not going to go the Trevor Bauer route and say, well, it wasn't the pitching. I don't think we're getting that from Cole tonight. Um, No, definitely not. But the other thing, you want to make fun of the Rays a little bit with me? Oh, my God, yes. All right, so I was – first off, can we talk about the Rays radio broadcast a little bit? Oh, my God, their comments the other day about, like, oh, maybe the Rays just need Stanton and Judge to get hurt. 
Which is like, yeah, objectively, would that help? Okay, sure. But you're going to say that out loud? Like, this is your job. What are you doing? He's like, no one's listening to this anyway, so. You know what? That's probably it. It's like, how much can we get away with knowing that nobody's going to report us to the FCC for anything that we're saying right now? But I'll say this. They did have one listener earlier today. Um... I caught the first part of the game at home and I took a shower before I came over here. So just for shits and giggles, I put on the Rays radio broadcast. I'm like, hey, let's see what's going on. Two big things I noticed, one weird, one just kind of indicative of the franchise. The part that was indicative of the franchise, and I hate when this happens, and you and I were spoiled, A, being New York fans, but also having the broadcast boots that we do. The Rays booth, as it turns out, they're one of those Wii booths. You know, it's not, oh, the Rays did this. No, we did this. Oh, they did this to us. Like. No, no, no. You're a broadcaster. You are not on this team. You know, it, it It was such a weird thing. It's like, oh, the Yankees really got it. No, no, no. They got the team that you're broadcasting for. They were like, uh, listen, dude, you're our biggest fan. So do you want to just do our radio broadcast? And he was like, oh, my God, yes. And he never graduated from being able to say we to raise. Yeah, that's what it said. It was like the, the lowest level of homerism that I've ever heard. And then it just got straight up weird because they were talking about, they were even admitting how much better the Yankees lineup is than the Rays lineup. I guess in terms of like, you know, for the pitchers that, you know, for the Rays, it's going to be a little bit tougher to set these guys down. And maybe I missed a segue or something, but Judge was coming up. It was right before he hit that home run. And they go, and, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of thick, here comes uh, Judge up to the plate. It was like, wait, what? You guys are professionals? Like, what, what the fuck is happening right now? That's thick with a T-H-I-C-C. Double C. The double C, you could hear it a mile away, for sure. I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's not. I mean, but you were even saying on the TV broadcast, like Ron Darling could not get over just how big physically the Yankees are. They were acting like as if it was, what is it, like the monsters from Space Jam? Like, they were acting like as if the, the guys monsters. out there were 7'10". It's like, <laughs> all right, they, they're big. Don't get me wrong, but... They've all been around for a while, so why is Ron Darling like falling over himself? And so was the other guy, Anderson. But at the end of the day, the Rays fucking they they outplayed the Yankees. Their pitchers were solid, and the Yankees they had a touch. I guess what was that two games ago? Pitching staff fell apart. It was really rough, but then they regrouped and got it back together, and, and were solid and tight last night, and even tonight. I mean, it was a one-one game going into like. The eighth inning, there was like one or two outs in the eighth inning when that dude hit that home run. And I hate to even, I hate that it was him. I mean, I'd hate if it was Kiermaier or uh, a Rosarena Moore, but that's the dude that Chapman threw over his head on September 1st. That whole thing started and he hit a home run like the next game in that series. But to have him hit this winner off Chapman, man, I mean, Chapman's got to just go into that dark night with his tail between his legs after that. It's like, all right, big bad guy threw that pitch six weeks ago, and now who's fucking laughing? Yeah, little uh, baseball gods at work there, I guess. But everyone's, you know, now on Twitter, everyone's playing the blame game. It's uh, Boone's decision and, and the umpires and, and the, the lineup, and it was a it was a well-played series. I mean, it was sloppy at times on both sides. Defense on the Yankees got a little sloppy tonight, but it was neither here nor there. No runs scored on any of those errors, so whatever. But... Just didn't, just didn't fall the right way for the Yankees. This was this game could have really gone either way. It's not like they got totally out fucking played and it was a joke like the Padres and the Dodgers the other night. But right, well, that's something else to keep in mind. Like I know you don't want to hear this right now because it just happened, but like the Rays are a good team. Like you guys did not lose to bullshit. 
you know? So it's it's one of those things where like, it's not gonna make it feel better, but there's no shame in losing to the Rays. They did the best over those 60 games out of all the other teams that made the playoffs. Like, you guys lost to a good team, you know? And it, it sucks as a Yankees fan, I'm sure. But, you know, maybe there's a little consolation in that. I don't know. It's it, I'm so far away from my team playing any games, so I, I can't even tell you what it feels like. I mean, the Rays fucking beat us all season too. So it's not like it's not like this was some unbelievable uh Cinderella story that the the lowly Rays fucking beat the big bad Yankees. The Rays were the number 1 seed without question. Like they were the best team in the American League all year and granted it was a short year, but they were also one of the best teams last year too. And if this were a regular season, they would still be at the top. I'm not convinced the Yankees would win the division necessarily if this goes to 162 games. And to the Yankees credit, against the top-ranked team, there was never a sense of like, oh, either team should win. It was completely up in the air the whole time. You know, you guys are right there in it. So I'm, I'm just about done consoling the Yankees, but I, I, I do feel for you. I do feel for you. Hey, listen, 174 days till opening day and about 120. Counting, right? Exactly. <laughs> and about 128 days until pitchers and catchers. I'm ready to see what this team can do over the course of 162 games. I'm very excited. Stanton got that monkey off his back in the postseason. Cole was what we wanted. I mean, a bunch of fools were questioning the signing due to four home runs given up to the Braves on fucking August 10th or whatever that was. But what did he do? He then, down the stretch, got into a groove and was a Cole that we all were hoping for. And now we get him for another eight years. Sucks that one of his nine years was the shitty third of his season. But it is what it is. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I mean, there's not that many changes they're they're going to upgrade their pitching i'm sure but everyone is going to be saying oh they need to change this need to change that ignoring the randomness of the postseason and i know that sounds like especially a this postseason not for nothing oh totally and the hard part and i've said it a thousand times the hard part is getting to the tournament organizations they build teams general managers they build teams to get to the postseason because that's the hard part but then once the teams are there Anyone can win. Any of those teams that get there, the, the talent disparity is not big enough that the, the best team is that much better than all the other teams. That happens very rarely, if at all. I mean, maybe the 98 Yankees was the last that was sort of like that. But when we were living it, it was probably a little bit different than it is in hindsight, where you look back and it's like, oh, what a fucking blowout that was. But during it, I'm sure there are times of tense moments. So... Just fucking relax, people. This team is awesome. Sucks that they've lost in the playoffs and they haven't won a World Series in this many years or whatever. They've never dipped below 500 in almost 30 years. I know it's like, oh, well, the bar should be higher than 500, of course, but that's pretty good. Name another franchise that has been able to maintain that level of success for this long, even during rebuilding times. I was going to say, little, little perspective. Like, you guys have still had it good, even though you haven't won the World Series in a little while, you know? And everyone thought that Cole was going to be the answer. And Cole certainly helped us this he's, year, for sure. He still could be, man. Nothing, taking, and we've talked about this too. I don't want to go too far into it, but taking anything too seriously from this season is a mistake. You know, good and bad, it's a bit of an anomaly. And so like, yes, as you said, you know, you want to call it wasting one of Cole's years in his contract. Okay, fine. But I mean, if you got to waste a year, might as well be the weird one, right? The one that you're not going to, you know, you win the championship defending it to other teams that it's legit and all that shit. No, fuck it, man. Just regroup. Go for it next year in a normal season, hopefully. Oh, yeah. I mean, this game, I tweeted this too. This game ended at like 10-31. 
by 10.31 and 30 seconds, I was already like, this fucking season's a joke anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you, you finally got on my level now. This That was me two weeks ago. I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't mean anything. Fuck it. I, if we go back and listen to any of the episodes, I flip-flop on that a thousand <laughs> times where some weeks I'm like, this every team has to face the same circumstances. It's a good, legit title. Then other weeks I'm like, fuck this season. It's a joke. Now it's officially a joke. Isn't that what Cashman said in the in the interview you did with him? It was like, yeah, if we win, it matters. If we don't, it doesn't matter. That is literally what I thought of as the game was ending. I was like, well, I know that me and Cashman are on the same page right now. Well, so based on your GM, you didn't win. So none of this matters. So I guess that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to Breaking Balls. Both our teams are out. Uh, there's nothing else to discuss. Yeah, we're we're closing up shop. We're, we're thought we'd leave on a high note, but no, yeah, just kidding, top, everyone. Top three Breaking Balls episodes so far. Go. <laughs> that actually is a good top three that we should keep in mind. It's, it's a good off-season top three. It's Let's stay focused. <laughs> now the Rays will be facing off against the, the polarizing Astros, yeah, ruining the my bracket. Astros. They played Oakland. Oakland fucking rolled over and died, just like they have for the last few years. And, I mean, I I don't think, honestly, anyone thought that the Astros weren't going to be good, that they weren't going to be capable of doing what they're doing. Their pitching is obviously not as good as it was since Verlander is hurt and Cole is a Yankee. And they have a lot of other issues with their pitching, but their offense is formidable, to say the least. And this is like a real... A real Sophie's choice here as far as who I want to win the series. I just wish that they could both lose. This is like the time that I'm rooting for like Asteroid 2020 to come down and just, <laughs> just crash end it. Into Earth. it. But I guess I'll have to choose the Rays because, and any of my Astros fans listening to this, you know, guys, I love you guys. You guys are great. There are also subsets, just like there are with Yankee fans, of insufferable fans. And I hate to say it, but I want them to lose because of that, the victim complex. It's like, you guys aren't victims. Just like A-Rod, he wasn't a victim. Canseco wasn't a victim. These te- The guys that cheat or the teams that decide to cheat, that's a risk that they're willing to take. They know what they're doing is wrong. They're doing it anyway. You get caught. That's how it is. So this whole like angle where like Correa being like, oh, what do people have to say now? It's like, uh, they still say that you cheated in 2017. Like what you do now, doesn't change that. You guys were a great team, much like A-Rod and much like Clemens and Bonds. People are mad about it because you didn't have to. You were good anyway, but you did. So just fucking suck it up and move on. Some cool fans already have. Others, not so much, including the players. They haven't. I also just brief aside, I loved uh, CC Sabathia has that show with uh, Ruko. And he just fucking laid into Cray. He was like, man, fuck that guy. He cheated. Fuck him. I love it. He's been acting like a fucking victim this entire time. Like, if you don't know, if you don't know the facts, then you should shut the F up like to Bellinger a few months ago. And it's like, dude, just take this one on the chin and be done with it. This whole like, we, we're going to, we're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. is such like this phony bravado to me. Right. And if there's ever an opportunity to put some distance between you and what happened, it's 60 games without fans. Like, shut the fuck up. Shut your mouth. People might forget about it a little bit. Well, maybe not, but some people might drift away from it a little bit and you'll be in a better position once you're in the playoffs. Maybe some people will root for you. But no, he couldn't shut up and he couldn't stop. So this series coming up, I think it's going to be a great series. I think that even though the Astros don't have the pitching and the Rays do, as we just saw, the Rays lineup can be questionable at best. So I... I think that it's, it might go the distance. I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised just because they're the fucking Houston Astros if the Astros win the series. 
And you know what? I mean, this is also like they they like bringing up a lot this postseason how the Astros were the only sub 500 team. That's such a misnomer. Like they're good, man. If anything, and I'm I'm loath to compliment Houston in this way, but if anything, they almost kind of come out of this looking smart. Like they took their fucking time in the regular season. They didn't push too hard. And look what they're doing now. They're steamrolling teams, you know? Um, so if anything, they look good in retrospect. And I mean, I was to go back to the other one, I was kind of surprised the A's were rolling over, but then I looked at the regular season matchup and maybe I shouldn't have been. But no, you make to get back to your point, which is correct. I don't know, man. I'm pulling for the Rays, too, in this one, personally. And mainly, it's for the sake of my bracket. It's one of my last hopes <laughs> in not having to change my profile picture. We'll get into that later. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Help me, Tampa Bay Rays. You're my only hope. Right. <laughs> this is another one of those series. I said, like, with you guys in Tampa Bay, where you're up against the number one seed, and there's still that sense of, like, it's not a sure thing. Same thing here. Houston's the sixth seed doesn't mean shit this could go either way i could see sweeps either way i could see a seven game series nothing in this alcs is going to surprise me personally and because of the nature of the sport the only reason that the seeding matters is for home field advantage now this year that's completely taken away so the seeding doesn't mean shit oh but you get to wear your home uniform I'll tell you my big takeaway from the Astros this postseason, because it's kind of been shown like, you know, the the whole meme of like, oh, they can't hit without the garbage cans. Well, they're, they're hitting. They're getting it done. I want George Springer on the Mets so badly. He already looks good in orange. He went like he had like three or four hits in that last game. Like, bring me Springer. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. He has he's like now tied or, or beat for most postseason home runs in a career like Babe Ruth and, and Lou Gehrig. And obviously the postseason is a minuscule sample size. It's not predictive, but Springer is fucking awesome. I would love for him to leave the Astros because I like him. So I like watching yeah, him play. He's one of the likable Astros for sure. Right. So I would love for the Mets to get Springer, but please. the series, I'll still be watching it. I know that there are some people who are like, oh, when the Yankees are done or when this team is done, I don't watch anymore. Like, you're crazy, especially in this short season where we barely got it. Postseason baseball, man. Exactly. And also, it just started. The season, like, just started. So I don't know how people can, like, turn it off. Just like, oh, fuck it. I'll watch next season when the Yankees are back. It's like, how? Aren't you going to be missing this? And then, you know what? A lot of those people, what they're going to do is they're going to skip the championship series, but then it's the World Series and you're a baseball fan. So you're going to watch the World Series. It's the same thing before the season. Oh, I'm not going to watch. Really? It's it's dangling in front of you with nothing else on TV and you're not going to watch it? Please. Now, if we're going to jump over to the National League, the Marlins, the, the fairy tale is over in like Marlins fashion, too. I mean, they, they just got mopped by the Braves, which they're used to over the years. Uh, and to be honest, it would have been fun for the Marlins to to go through, but uh, for for Major League Baseball's sake and, and fan sake, it, while that kind of thing is fun, it is better for the sport that teams that should be in this league championship round, they're there. It's not like oh, the Marlins and and the the White Sox and all these like teams that snuck in the Brewers. It's like that would have been really fun, but it also would have been like all right, well. That fucking team is not even close to as good as this team is. And it just, they had the hot hand during this tournament and they got in. So I'm kind of glad that they won that first series against the Cubs, but then lost when they should have lost. See, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like maybe this is just me playing devil's advocate, but okay. Yeah. So it, 
the Marlins losing is good for the sport in terms of like the reputation of the sport and like, you know, the, the pecking order kind of working itself out in the postseason. And the validity of the title. But everyone loves a Cinderella story, man. Everyone loves an underdog. Well, I'm a Mets fan. I love an underdog. I can't speak for everyone there. But um, so, yeah, I get what you're saying. But to me, there's also an aspect of like that was super interesting. Like, nobody's really surprised that what happened happened. I mean, it's funny even, you know, we do our production meetings Mondays or Tuesdays, depending on the week. And so it's kind of fun how fast this postseason is going, just in real time, like changing my notes. Like for this one, I had fairy tale is over. Yep, check. Uh, will the fish lose their first postseason series? Yes, they will. All that kind of stuff. But yeah, so I think um, it kind of worked out the best way possible in that they beat the Cubs, showing that once you get in the tournament, anything could happen. But then once you get to a slightly longer series, they lose because then, you know, the uh, the grand pecking order, as it were, has to establish itself one way or the other. And the consistency can't hold like that's that's the thing with like these series is that's like that's like the biggest difference between the better teams and and the and the not as good teams is this lineup and this pitching staff is able to be more consistent on both sides of the ball than this team. So that's what happened. I mean, I didn't get to watch too much of the Marlins and Braves because they were on that poverty time slot of 2 p.m. on like a Wednesday. <laughs> but I was able to sneak a few uh, a few innings in while I was at work and one inning, like the Benny Hill music should have been playing. I was watching the outfielders for the Marlins just fucking like kick the ball around. One of them tried to field it like olated into the air. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this fucking series is a mess. It was like an 8-2 score already or something. And, you know, to bring it back, you just mentioned consistency. Um, If I could just bitch about something for a second, when did Travis Darno get consistently good? We want to talk about adding him to the long list of Mets that decided to start playing well after they left the Mets, which is also... I phrase it that way because I'm an asshole, but that's a complete misnomer. It's because the Mets currently don't have a good organization. So that's why players suddenly, you know, magically, oh, why do they do better? Because the other teams are taking care of them and developing them in the way that we're not. Again, light at the end of the tunnel, Uncle Stevie, they're talking about analytics as his first move, yada, yada, yada. So like on the one hand, I'm, I guess I'm happy for Darno as a human being, but <laughs> You know, like just on that primal, like, okay, well, you know, I don't hate him, but like he's doing it for the Braves and he got really good. He's mashing. He's catching well. He's doing everything, man. Everything that he was kind of like sold to us as like, oh, get a load of this guy when we got him from the I think it was the Blue Jays. I'm pretty sure he was part of that um, part of that trade for R.A. Dickey and Syndergaard, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, And if I am mistaken, someone's going to come down to me. Yes, he did wind up there eventually. Uh, just like, you know, at its, you know, I look at Justin Turner on the Dodgers and even, well, Daniel Murphy slowed down a little bit. But some of these guys where it's just apparent that, like, we're not, there's something we're not doing right because they're flourishing elsewhere. And so, you know, on the one hand, good for Darno, but goddamn Braves, dude. <laughs> I know, though. This this series between now and the Braves, well, before we get to that, we'll jump over to the Dodgers and the Padres. Now, the Padres got their ass beat by the Dodgers, but... They had a very exciting wild card round against the Cardinals. They lost that first game, and it seemed like they were just going to be two and done. But then they came back, and they won. The city of San Diego obviously erupted. People in their cars flipped. And other fan bases, and mainly I saw it from the Yankees and Dodgers, are like were hardcore criticizing them. Like, oh, they're celebrating like the World Series. Like, oh, chill. And it's like, listen, this team, the, the Padres, they've had like no success to speak of, literally, I think I think they were kind of good in 2005, a little bit. 
But before that, it was like 1998. And before that, it was like, who knows when? So it's not the Padres and their fans' fault that Yankees and Dodgers fan bases, and Cardinals too, for that matter, have had so much success that it's now impossible for fans, well, not impossible, it's self-imposed, for fans to enjoy the small, I guess, relatively speaking, the small victories or the little things where now the joy of these little things, the little victories have been totally sucked out of these fan bases because of past success and the consistency of success that now they can't, which is fine, but why does everyone else have to adhere to that? Is it really rational to be like, oh, why aren't the Padre fans uh, just keeping it cool even though they haven't won shit in 30 years? It's like, why are they not acting like the Yankees? Because there haven't been any fucking good. I think it's an inability to empathize. You know, it's automatically assuming that your standards for success apply to everybody. And if you're a Yankees fan, you can just look in your same city and realize that that's not the case, you know? Like the Mets, we get excited for winning seasons or, you know, if we make the postseason, we don't go all the way. That's a successful season for us. And that's like, objectively, I might get shit for this, but that's kind of okay, you know? You have to set your own expectations for where your organization is, what the future holds, the players you have, you know, all, all the different factors that we talk about. But yeah, so, and, and to me, I could be wrong about this, but I think that it's, at least tangentially an extension of the same people who, and this is more like concentrated to fan bases, but the same people that get upset over celebration. I remember my first thought was like, I, I played football when I was younger and uh, one of the big things, they've actually changed the rule in the NFL now. Now you're allowed to celebrate in the end zone. For a long time, you weren't allowed to. You scored a touchdown. The thing that they all always told us was act like you've been here before. And it's like, I'm in middle school. I haven't scored a touchdown yet. <laughs> like, what do you mean act like I've been here before? And that was what popped into my mind immediately. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, well, why are you celebrating? Act like you've done it before. But I haven't. And, and I'm excited. Like, why am I not celebrating this? Uh, there, there's some kind of connection there to me. It's not a perfect equivalence, but there's something there. No, I totally agree because it's the sport is very dry and it's a slow burn. Whether you're looking at the season as a whole or even just one game at a time. So when you remove that element and it's like, no, the, the batters can't celebrate success. The fielders can't celebrate success. The pitchers, it's like, why not just watch a fucking video game where the computer plays a computer? Like when you go to an arcade and it's like the preview playing and it's just like, <laughs> like just go watch a fucking video game for a baseball game like that. If that's, well, what, that's you want. what I was going to say, all the modern ones though, they've programmed in celebrations if you win big series. So you can't escape it. And th there's been an arbitrary line drawn in the sand between like, Bat flips and things like that are, are sort of admonished by some people, but they love the overreaction to bad things. Like like Paul O'Neill, for example, when he used to like go nuts in the dugout, beat the people love that. Oh, I love that fire. So it's like, why is it acceptable when the player does shitty? You want to see them like, do you need that like sort of validation? Like, okay, I just want to make sure that they know that they did shitty. They need to know that that's not okay. Right. So you want to see that. But then when they do something really great, you're like, no, you need to chill, not rub that in my face. Like that's, I really feel that it's sort of more to do with that, but we'll save that for the off season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and, and the connection there is that to bring that full circle, all the pressure on this series, like we talked about was on LA. So the Padres, yeah, they got swept. It doesn't matter. This is still a great season for them. This is still a step in the right direction. They're going to be hanging around this scene for the next few years now. Like this is, 
they there is no situation in this divisional series that could have gone poorly for the Padres. Even if they got blown out three straight games, still would have been like, hey, we're here. Get a load of this. We're going to be here next year. It's awesome. It's a win-win. The Dodgers are about to experience what the Yankees experienced with the Rays. The Rays were bottom of the barrel team for a while in the division. So now that they've been pretty great for the last few years, a lot of Yankee fans have sort of like bristled at that and they don't like that. And now the Rays have really commanded some respect from this fan base, I would hope, especially after this year. You have that, to, yeah. yeah they're, they're here. They're the new Red Sox. The Red Sox are now trash and they're going to be for a few years. <laughs> so it's going to be the Yankees and the Rays and then the Blue Jays are going to be coming up in a year or two. So now the Dodgers, for the first time in a very long time, are experiencing that in their division, where all of a sudden this team that has been the bottom of the barrel for basically as long as any of those players have been alive, now are making a run for their money and and stealing headlines in the West and stealing headlines in hearts in California. And the insecurity of the fan base is coming out. And I say that as a Yankees fan, if any Dodger fans are listening I recognize it because the same shit happened with the Yankee fans and the Rays, as I just mentioned. The overt, like, oh, you guys suck, you know your place. That is very insecure to me from a fan base, and they know that that team is only going to get better from here on out. So the Dodgers are in trouble. That They they risk, possibly, and obviously this season still formulating, so remains to be seen, but they now are at risk of, do they now get knocked out of the top in the next few years after living there for like the better portion of a decade and then they don't come away with anything besides division and league titles a pennant or two and that's it for all of that for that fucking team yeah i really need the dodgers to continue to lose in the world series for no other reason than some of my favorite tweets have been like oh well the watch the dodgers get mookie bets and they won't win a world series anyway so it's like, I don't need people fucking pulling those receipts on me when they do. See, and I need the Dodgers to lose the World Series because it's my only hope for not losing to you in the bracket challenge. But that's just me. Before we get into the bracket challenge for everyone else, the, the postseason classic, as we've dubbed it here, I'm breaking balls. John and I have our own little challenge, and we are currently tied 25 points apiece. We were tied after the first round, too. So it's been a stalemate. We were tied at 15. And then we each got two right uh, going into the championship series. And uh, yeah, we're tied up at 25. Now, it's worth noting, just spoilers, I guess. So I wound up, and I complained about this last week, I picked the Twins to go all the way. Obviously, that's not happening. Not to tell you something you don't know. Um, Wait, Emily, the Twins lost in the I postseason? Know, right? I don't believe it. <laughs> Emster, you picked the Yankees to go all the way. So neither of our AL squads can win it. So yeah, so I have the Dodgers losing it, you have the Dodgers winning it. So that's what it's going to come down to. If at any point before then the Dodgers are eliminated, we're going to end in a tie and we're going to have to go to the tie break, which who knew it would wind up being us that needed to use it. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens, but it's still very much up in the air, but it's uh, a little bit less up in the air than it was. You have more potential points left on the board than I do. So we'll see how this goes. Better start picking out that fucking Yankees profile picture, son. Now, I'm wondering, should we get some input on this? Maybe get, well, we, some, get some options going? We I asked this a few episodes ago and didn't get any traction at all, which I was surprised about. People, John and I, we can have content for this show. But beyond that, the creativity as far as like bet, I don't even know what it's called. Like the wager? Wager, that, yeah, we'll go with wager. Sounds that's how That's how fucking what a rube I am with betting. I'm like, what is this 
activity called and what is the thing that you do when someone wins? What's so a, we, what, Charlie, do you even know what a VIG is? <laughs> so we need some help. What We were going to do profile picture with the opposing team or whatever, but I feel like that's a little weak. We obviously don't want to do anything too crazy. So can someone please help us out? We need some direction here. And I know that someone listening here has got the fucking plan. Even that, I'll, I'll lower the bar a notch. Even if we want to commit to the profile picture stuff, Submit some profile pictures for us to use. We get some good ones, we'll put it to a vote, something like that. You have to have your profile picture as A-Rod. Well, I'll say this. If we don't get any input, I'm going to pick something boring. It's going to be some boring-ass Yankee stuff. So this is your opportunity to make me look bad because I am in worse shape than M right now in this bracket challenge. Well, I mean, to be fair, the winner gets to pick the profile picture. I think that's fair. The loser never gets to pick shit, so... That ain't changing tonight. No, I, d- I dig that. I just feel like the audience should have a little bit of play in this. We're pleading with you guys now. Please, we're like, please we contribute let- some content. We're like, let's pass this to the audience for the third time in a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. We still have a couple rounds to go on that. And as far as the postseason classic among listeners go... So we had 19 entries total, which is awesome. Our top five now. So now we, we did the first, all the points for the wild card, and we did all the points for the divisional series since it just ended officially tonight before we recorded. And our top five is in fifth place, we have Fran with 25 points. Fourth place, Quinn with 28 points. And then we have a tie for second place with 30 points is Mark Torrey and Sean Kurtzman. And so far sitting in the top spot, and he's held the top spot since the wild card round too, is Orlando Diaz with 31 points. So it's a tight race. I mean, basically through 19, there's like five different ties. There's a tie for 10th, there's a tie for 8th. So this is anyone's game, people. That's why this bracket challenge is awesome because even if your teams lose and, and half your bracket's done, because of the setup, you can still sneak in there with the W. Yeah, not, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I do think we did a pretty good job setting this up because if you look at the results after the wild card round, after round one, Orlando, as we said, was still in first place, but there was a four-way tie for second. It was Quinn, uh, Danny B from Manchester, Bobby B, and uh, our friend, friend of the show, Will, were all tied for second place. And the point system is such that now uh, Will and Bobby drop down, uh, Denny is just out of the top five and only Quinn remains in the top five. So a lot of shuffling going around. As M said, it's anyone's game. Orlando's been ahead, but it is not a sure thing. Yeah, now he's only ahead by one point. One point, yeah. And I don't remember everyone else's brackets, but I do know that Mark Torrey, who is a, a friend of mine that I grew up with, he's a big Rays fan. And he obviously picked the Rays to win the whole thing, so... So far, he's racking up the points on that side of the bracket. So. Well, listen, I don't want to give too much away, but some people have some more potential points on the board left than Orlando, so it could go any direction. We'll keep you guys updated on that as the uh, rounds finish. So after the championship series, we'll add them up again, and we'll come back and give the update. So before we head on into the voicemails, something that we are excited about here at Breaking Balls, we got in the pipeline. You all know and love our stat and research guru, Max Greenfield. He and I have been working on a little project together, mainly him, he's been doing most of the work, called Breaking Balls Breakdown. What it's going to be is a series of videos just with Max 
uh, doing short, a few minute clips at a time of some of the most popular analytics. So we're trying to we're trying to bring analytics to the fans and make it more accessible and make the direction that the game is heading in um, more accessible and just spreading the love and spreading the knowledge. So be on the lookout for that. The first episode will be out in the next week or so. And we're just really excited about it. So can't wait to bring it to you guys. Now, without further ado, let's get into the voicemails. Our first voicemail is from Andrew in Hell's Kitchen. Hey, guys. Andrew from Hell's Kitchen. So about the Yankees uh, division series uh, tactics. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, that the Yankees, with all the good they've done and with how forward-thinking they are, they've earned the benefit of the doubt in pretty much everything, which is why, like, I'm not going to come down as hard as people because there is an argument to be made that Davey Garcia has the stuff to be a reliever, and if that's the case, using him as an opener is fine while saving your uh, good guys later for later in the game, which, by the way, we could probably use more good guys. And uh, as for the whole Gary versus Higgy thing, I think there's like a framing argument for Higgy and an argument that the fact that Gary's strikeouts have gone up exponentially this year for, I guess, playing Higgy a few games. But I'm going to come down a little harder on that and say that Gary should be starting every game. Uh, but with that being said, I'm not going to be all angry about it because this organization, like, we're spoiled. They've done so much more good than bad, and the only way for them to for them to actually deservedly come under fire would be for them to have, like, to string together a bunch of bad things and for the game to pass them by or whatever. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Yankees' uh, tactics so far? Andrew, I, I happen to agree with you on basically all those points. Um I think that the move with Davey Garcia the other night, in hindsight, looks bad. And that's a thing, you know, fans, we, we often come from the perspective of hindsight bias and we don't realize that we are coming from that perspective. So it's easy to judge decisions when they don't work out and be like, oh, that was a wrong decision. But something with this game and, and, and the reason why I agree that Sanchez should have been getting those at-bats despite having a, a tough year is... Anyone can have a great game on any given day at this level. So when you build the lineup or, or, you, or you build your rotation, you have to go with the guys that give your team the best chance to win. And you know that by looking at their careers, a larger sample size, because that's what's most predictive, right? So sure, Higgy was great defensively. And, and in hindsight, that looks like it was a great move because it didn't backfire. I mean, Higgy, he wasn't that great offensively, but... Who knows what Sanchez would have done defensively or offensively, but I don't think anyone can argue that Sanchez is by far the better hitter than Higashioka. So I think that was a bad move by the Yankees, not having Gary in the lineup and not giving him any at-bats. I think he had maybe, what, like one or two at-bats this entire series? Or maybe he played a game. I can't even remember now. It's all its all a whirl. One? He played yes. one game, yeah. So I think or that— started one game, rather. I think that that was probably a bad decision, but, and the same thing goes with the Davey Garcia opener. I think that that was a, I don't think it was super ill-advised. The only reason that that looked like shit is because Hap pitched so poorly. And the reality is Hap had to pitch the series. There was no way around it. So because Hap has struggled, Boone thinking, hey, I don't know if Garcia is ready for like a full-blown start in the postseason, but 
he is ready for an inning or two, and let's try to lessen the time that Hap has to be on the mound. So that's what that move was to me. Not even so much the cutesy shit with the matchups. It was more that, and it ended up not mattering because Hap fucking got blown up anyway. So once again, in hindsight, that looked dumb and looked like it was stupid, blah, blah. But if it had worked out, would people be as upset about it? No, they wouldn't. They'd be like, well, that was weird, but it worked, so I like it. So we are spoiled. We are very hard on the staff and the, and the players, but that's just how it is in New York sports. And um, here's to next year. Our next call is from Nick. So this is more of a question for Max, and I know Max will hear the podcast as he always does, but I want to know if he agrees with what the Yankees then came to, because I don't know anybody who's more analytical of Twitter that is than Max. So I want to know if he agrees with what he with what they did, because if he is all about the numbers, which he is, he does agree with it. So if, if if he does agree with it, I would like to know why he agrees with it. And that's pretty much it. You know, I can't see how the Yankees won tonight because a guy that is supposed to be the captain has been, you know, pretty much a ghost. And, uh, John, you must be loving this, the Yankees struggling, right? But uh, always good podcast, guys, as, as usual. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> All right. For the record, I was rooting for the Rays primarily because my bracket required the Rays to win after Minnesota lost in the first round when I had them going all the way. So that was my primary motivator. I feel like I get a little bit of a bad rap for like being a Yankees hater. I'm not really a Yankees hater. I mean, okay, listen, if, if you want me to be like brutally honest about how I feel, you mentioned earlier you were talking about the Astros fans, how like a lot of the ones that you interact with on Twitter are, are good, but there's a segment to them that are shitheads. And no disrespect to anybody out there, because my my experience with the Yankees fans on this show has been, by and large, very positive, very reasonable. You know, people you could talk to, have a good conversation to. There's a big segment of the Yankees fandom that sucks at the end of the day. Um, they're loud. They're obnoxious. They're not well informed. And it's for that segment of the fandom, if I'm being honest. Is there a little bit that's like, oh, the Yankees are out. I don't have to hear from them. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but am I like reveling in this? Like, oh, thank God they're out. No, I'm. I'm Emily watched the watched the game with me. She saw my reaction at the end, but which I mean, I had no reaction. I was like, oh, okay, time to record the episode now. John played possum. Like, I'm just gonna lay here and just pretend that I'm dead. Wait, <laughs> I was. Just, <laughs> I was trying to feel out the vibe. I'm like, okay, so what do I do? <laughs> do I blink? Do I get up? Are we gonna record now? Is she gonna kill me? What's happening? And. That question was for Max, the first question, so we look forward to hearing Max's answer to that as well, what he thought about the move in game two with the the opener and stuff. And as far as Judge is concerned, the captain thing is designated by the fans, so I, I don't think that he's supposed to be our captain. I think the fans have sort of just taken to him as the face of the team, and they've given him that, like, oh, he's the new captain, but... But he's not formally the captain, right? No, I mean, and oh, well, listening to that in my head, I'm like, oh wait, did they did they dub him that? I just didn't hear about it. I didn't know. No, and, and I mean, the whole captain thing is is between me, John, and everyone listening is <laughs> BS um, in this sport in particular at this level. Like, it's just for it's just for the fans, and that's cool. Everyone likes it, but it's not like Judge was out there like, oh fuck this team in this series. I don't care. He's trying and he struggled, and believe me, no one is going to be harder on Judge than Judge. I can guarantee that. 
you know, if you're going to talk that way about captains, you can guarantee that uh, David Wright and I are leaving this conversation. Nick, as always, thanks so much for your call. And our last call is from Bubak. And this call is fresh off the Yankee loss. Um, John, it's Bubak. Um, yeah, sad sack season, I guess. Bag of master assholes. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, I don't know. I guess now we can get back to uh, being a breakfast sandwich pod or, you know, a mayonnaise pod or a digress pod, whatever kind of pod. We're on Fox Yankees for only, what, 281 days, so that's that's something. Not that not 281. That can't be right. I don't know. 100 and some, 100 and some days. I don't know. I can't think straight. Uh, yes, go. Not a real season for whoever wins from here on out. So that's good. Um, love you guys. See ya. Bubak, that voicemail really encapsulates how it felt right after the loss tonight and I feel for you man I we need you to get your pet back in your step so please digress back to <laughs> Boobox of old out was, with the old I was gonna say this has been rough for Boobox too because not only are his Yankees out but uh if I remember correctly he just missed submitting his bracket because he was like stuck at work or something like that I'm pretty sure I saw that on Twitter so listen Boobox if I could put a smile on your face digress pods sounds like a bad detergent right uh, mayonnaise pods sounds disgusting just straight up on the surface who needs and, a knife um, just put the mayonnaise pod right on the sandwich and splat the bread <laughs> together <laughs> i'm picturing literally a tide pod filled with mayonnaise you disgust me go on yeah no i'm picturing you see like they started marketing uh like whiskey in like a dissolvable pod i'm picturing like when you just pop it in it just dissolves and you got a big dollop of mayonnaise in your mouth <laughs> a mayonnaise a mayonnaise. Pubak, go look up a video of some, like, puppies or something like that. Like, I've never heard you sound that sad, man. I hope you're okay. Don't worry. There's always next year, Pubak, and the boys will be back and better than ever. But in the meantime, puppy videos, they work. Pubak, thanks for your call as always, and thanks to all of our callers. Anyone listening, you want to get in on the fun? We have, we laugh, we cry, we hug it out over here on the Breaking Balls hotline. Give us a call, 631-820-7377. Sticking with our postseason theme, this week's top three, because we are about to enter the championship series, is, you guessed it, our top three all-time favorite league championship series moments. And you notice I didn't bring up the opener because we're just going to get right into our top three. John, your number three. My number three is the opener. Sorry, I, I got ahead of myself there. Um, Spoiler alert. So I know, right? Yeah, a little little tension. No, non-existent. Um, but there was tension back in the 1992 NLCS. Oh, I dunked that one. That was great. Um, on a serious note, though. So we got the Braves and the Pirates. It's the ninth inning. Pirates are up two to one. And this is interesting because this, uh, this single by Francisco Cabrera Get a load of this. It's A, considered one of the greatest baseball comebacks of all time. And it's actually, he's the only player to win a postseason series on a hit during an at-bat where an out would have lost the series. It's the only time that, isn't that nuts? It's the only time that that's happened. Um, Incredibly exciting. You heard uh, it was one of those two-part calls where you got the single hit by Cabrera. And then you got, uh, who is it, Uh, Justice, I think, running around for the score. Um, So one of those multi-part ones, but 
it's tough to argue this as far as just one of the greatest comebacks ever. Not just in a tie game getting the walk-off, but reversing the score all on one play, which is one of the fucking awesome things about baseball. You don't really get that in other sports. So yeah, this was one where we were looking for we were looking for our opening, and I came across this one, and right away I was like, listen, even if this doesn't get through to the opening, this has to be on my list. That was fucking wild. My number three is from the 2001 ALCS Game 4, Yankees versus the Mariners, who were the 116 game-winning Mariners that year. Alfonso Soriano shocked the world and walked it off in the ninth off uh, Sasaki. And it was just one of the games in, in that horrible series for the Mariners where they literally set a major league record for most wins in a season and then got fucking bounced by the Yankees in that series. So that was an exciting moment. And also Alfonso Soriano... Big snub. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. But I digress. (laughs) So I'll pick up on that digression. Um, So my number two, this is where I enter homer mode, and I'm okay with that. Uh, The 1986 NLCS, game six. It went 16 innings. The Mets finally beat the Astros seven to six. But the way in which it happened was remarkable. So in the 16th inning, the Mets went up after a Daryl Strawberry double. Ray Knight hit an RBI single. Dykstra drove in some runs. So they wind up up 7-4 to four going into the bottom of the 16th. Now, it's worth noting the Mets had to win this game because the Astros' ace back then was Mike Scott, who apparently you could not hit. So the whole thinking was, if we don't win this game, we're done. We're not going to win against Scott in Game 7, right? Michael Scott. I'm not superstitious, but I'm, I am a little stitious. Yeah, Michael Scott, actually, yes. <laughs> uh, DJ Bingington, I look forward to whatever office clip is going to go in there because I don't have one offhand. But um, So our closer, Jesse Orozco, comes in and almost blows the game. That's why this was so exciting. Um, he wound up striking out Kevin Bass to end it, but uh, he allowed the Astros to come back and make it 7-6, to six, and they were down to their last possible opportunity to win this thing. And uh, he got it done. He got the strikeout. In some ways, that's just as an iconic image after that game as when they beat the Red Sox in the World Series uh, a week or two later. But yeah, so that's uh, that's an all-time great Mets moment, all-time great playoff moment. And uh, I don't know if it's the longest playoff game ever. I know, uh, I I'm sure is. I'm sure Maxwell will get me on that if it's not, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, so yeah, I don't have a good way to close that up, but that's what I'm going <laughs> with. <laughs> Much like that game took a long time to close. I'm a c- circling the drain on the wrap up, yeah. <laughs> my number two is this is a little of a uh, outside the box one, but my Yankee fans will appreciate it. My number two favorite LCS moment is Game Seven of the 2003 ALCS: Red Sox versus Yankees. Red Sox were winning five three in the eighth inning with one out. Pedro Martinez was on the mound, pitched a gem and should have been taken out because at that time it was known that after a hundred pitches, Pedro's ability fucking went down the drain. Grady little stuck with Pedro and the rest is history. Yankees scored two runs to tie it. Bases loaded, Posada, Bernie Williams. And I, I'll leave you guys hanging on the cliffhanger of what happened next because it's my number one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so for my number one, and this is uh, this was an easy choice for me, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, it's Andy Chavez in Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS. Uh, for my own mental well-being, I'm not going to relive this whole thing right now, but uh, suffice it to say, all-time great catch. 
well, I've mentioned before, even cooler is the advertisement that he was next to was for AIG Insurance. And it's literally Endy making that catch. And then next to him, it says the strength to be there. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out for the Mets in the long run. We all remember Beltran, Wainwright, yada, yada, yada. But for that glorious fleeting moment, it looked like they were going to get it done. Uh, I remember watching that live and just the the hopefulness of that moment. I lost my shit. It was, it was fantastic. And uh, it's going to take a lot to ever replace that as my favorite championship series moment. I'll say that. Speaking of losing your shit at a league championship series moment. So after Grady stuck with Pedro and they gave up the lead and the Yankees tied it. Now we went into the 11th inning. Aaron Boone, now manager for the Yankees, pinch hitting. He, this was his first at-bat of the game. Tim Wakefield, knuckleballers on the mound. This game's at Yankee Stadium. On the first pitch of the at-bat, of his first at-bat of the game, Boone hit a home run into the left field corner, sending the Yankees to the World Series. And I blew the call because we used it in episode seven. I did not have the foresight. To I was think just going to say, awesome. Hey, why wasn't that the opener, Emily? So if anyone's thinking, man, I would love to hear that call. Just go back to episode seven and listen to the beginning. Ah, but there you go. That was a fucking all time great Yankee moment. And it's really tough to top that. Before we go into our close, we know it's the end of the season for the Yankees and almost the end of the season for everybody, but the breaking ball season never ends. We're going to be here every single week, an episode every Saturday as usual. So stick around, follow us on Twitter to see what we're up to. We're going to be having some breaking balls, instant replays where John and I watch movies that we haven't seen and we tweet along with it. But we may be adding an element, an MST3K style element, where we're going to have a little camera behind us and you guys can watch along with us and listen to us try to crack jokes and tear apart movies that you all know and love. If you want to know when all this stuff is happening and much more, you can find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. If you're feeling brassy and want to get in on the fun, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call, 631-820-7377. We want to thank all of our listeners, as always, all of our callers. And, of course, we want to thank our awesome producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we'll see you guys next week. Misdemeanor on the floor, pretty boy, here I come. Pumps in the bump, make you wanna hurt something. I can take your man, I don't have to sex something. Hang him out the window, call me Michael Jackson. I'm a pain in your-